All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time podcast. We were really just throwing you know, spaghetti at the wall and looking back at our first niche statement and everything. And it was all like a hot mess, to be honest. Like it was, it was garbage, <laughs> but we were, I, I remember like we were really proud of ourselves. And I think that that's, that's not a mistake. That's just a challenge of like building up, getting a first iteration of an idea and realizing like, you know, this, this sucks actually. <laughs> and, but then not stopping and just reinventing it yourself and, and getting better. Right. And yeah, just be honest. There's nothing wrong with being greedy. A lot of teachers are ashamed to say that they want to earn more money. I don't know. It's like the only profession in the world where it's like a bad thing to say that you want to earn more money. It's like, oh, if you're happy getting paid $17 an hour teaching in downtown Toronto with uh, when rents $2,500 for a one-bedroom apartment, then continue to do that. I'm not going to judge you. But um, let's be honest. But be honest with yourself. It's okay to want more, right? a case of I want this thing to be perfect or is it a case of I'm afraid of being judged? It is. It really is. Um, because it's it's amazing how teachers have a lot of confidence in their teaching. But when it comes to putting themselves out there, they lack, they lack that confidence in their own abilities. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because when you are teaching, you're in the classroom. You're in that box behind four walls. No one can penetrate that perimeter. It's just you and your students. The moment you build your teaching business and you're selling your courses and you're selling your services and you're productizing yourself, things change. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time podcast. To those of you who are new, each episode of our podcast is devoted to bringing the most recent, most innovative and most insightful research applications into teacher education, language teaching, and language education. And if you are also new to our Learn Your English community, I have to tell you more about our Teacher Accelerator Program, which is our online program for teachers all around the world who want to eliminate lesson planning, reach and help more students, teach less, earn more money, without, of course, sacrificing work-life balance. Our programs help teachers reflect and develop in the most important skills they need to succeed in the information age. And it's just like your teaching isn't for everyone. Our program isn't for everyone. It's for someone. The program has four pillars of successful design. We have a community. We have live sessions. We have self-paced learning. And more importantly, we have lots, lots of feedback. Does this sound like you? Are you a teacher who wants to implement dogme and task-based learning in your teaching? Do you want to eliminate lesson planning? Do you want to help more students, but also work less? Do you want to transition from selling your time, teaching one-to-one, to actually focusing on outcomes and selling results? Do you want to be a business owner and not an employee? And more importantly, do you want to build and scale your teaching business? If this sounds like you, then you have a great opportunity here. 
just head over to our website, learnyourenglish.net slash schedule and book a meeting with us. We would love to have a conversation about your current situation and whether we can help you with any of these things. All right, welcome to another episode of Teacher Talking Time, the podcast where we dive deep into challenges, research, and all things teaching related. If you are a teacher who is looking to turn your passion for education into a successful business, I think you have come to the right place. In today's show, we will be exploring the unique obstacles and triumphs of teacherpreneurs from you know finding clients to balancing work and life. So grab a cup of coffee, a glass of whiskey, sit back and join us as we explore the exciting world of teacherpreneurship. Amen. Mike, you got Andrew. me you got me thinking uh, what's in my mug? We should play what's in your mug you know, today? play a little game of what's in your mug. I got decaf coffee, folks. Doesn't get <laughs> I, more I got water than today. that. <laughs> whiskey, you know, I don't uh, I don't have any whiskey today, but it's usually on the shopping list, you know, every couple of months, a little mm -hmm. bit of whiskey, especially in the winter, keeps yeah. you going. And as I said in the in the introduction to the show, boys, um, I really wanted to dive deep into the challenges faced specifically, not by just teachers, but today I want to be, we're going to niche down a little bit, and we're going to talk about the challenges faced by teacherpreneurs. And I think it would be a very important question. I think the, the first step for us in this episode is actually define what a teacherpreneur is. So who are these teachers that are calling themselves teacherpreneurs? Um, perhaps the two of you could actually give us or could perhaps shed a light on the on the definition that you have in mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, certainly. I think it's it's whoever wants to be one. But I mean, obviously, it's a play on an entrepreneur and teacher, right? So I think at a very loose definition, it's just someone who wants to make money on on their own time, on their own dime and and can do that in, in any way shape or form um but i think it's also a, at least for me it, it's it's a mindset as well right so it's something where you know you choose to identify as as one i mean teacherpreneur entrepreneur solopreneur any kind of preneur seems to be the, the vernacular these days for that um just someone who wants to make their own money for themselves outside of a, a you know a traditional quote-unquote job it doesn't mean that you don't have a job you know but uh, as a side hustle or a super side hustle or a third hustle or something uh, earn your own money that's it for me yeah i, I would just add uh, the magic word of ownership also comes to mind right so they're selling something as andrew said they're 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 making money off something that they have and they own it so maybe it's their certain approach to teaching so they have a series of lessons that they've put together and they they teach privates and groups mm -hmm. it could be a series of materials that they've put together that they think would make a course and they can um, use that but but clearly it's it's theirs it's not owned by another company it's something that they can leverage and they're therefore responsible for growing interesting yeah so i think well a couple of things just connecting the dots here um, based on what the two of you have said is Basically, a teacherpreneur is a teacher, first and foremost, who has this entrepreneurial or who has entrepreneurial aspirations or has already started a business that is somewhat related to um, education. And these are 
teachers or educators and connecting to what Mike said, who are basically using their skills, they're using their knowledge, and they're using, of course, they're leveraging their experience to create, I would actually, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me, but they basically create innovative solutions to problems in the field of education. And why do I say this innovative solutions? Because we have been working with a lot of teacherpreneurs um, who have created um, solutions to problems. So for example, we could even here mention um, Jessica Diaz, who has been part of our community for a very long time. And she noticed that there was a gap um, in terms of teaching pronunciation. And what did she do? She created, she created a course, I guess, where um, she teaches students to improve their pronunciation through self-directed learning, of course, but showing them how to learn and master the IPA so they can actually take ownership of their pronunciation joining. So in a way, that's what teacherpreneurs are doing, right? Absolutely. That's it. And then it's hers, right? It's hers. It's nobody else's. And then now she becomes responsible for how far it goes, right? So this is where I think, um, going back to what Andrew said, this is where I think the, the business side of it comes in, right? Because a teacherpreneur is someone who invests in themselves. And, and sometimes they do it because they are perhaps trying to compensate for something that they're not getting from, say, another position, right? So they're, they're basically trying to perhaps have a way to be innovative, something they can't do at their school, for example. The other one is that they're investing to grow, right? They're investing because perhaps they really want to have a, not just a business, not just a few students. But they, they want to create a lifestyle for themselves that allows them to say, create something, travel the world, teach when they want to teach. And to do that requires a different level of investment, right? So, you know, people invest in themselves for different reasons, but teacherpreneurs have clear goals. And again, one, in one case, it's, it's, it's um, to find rewards from another area of your life or it's to, again, build a real sustainable business. Rewards is a, is a good word, I think, because you know, I think a lot about this. And there's, there's many reasons why someone would start their own business or offer something or a teacherpreneur would, would become one. And you know, one reason, very simply, is that like, someone's bored and they just need something to do. You know? But I think that's not most people. Most people, especially with teachers, is they really are passionate about helping somebody or helping people to be better or to improve in, in a specific area. And not to generalize, but certainly was true for me. I believe it to be true for the two of you and probably many people listening where, you know, working in quote unquote traditional forms within education, perhaps that gets lost a little bit and, and we don't get fulfilled in terms of our passion uh, or not completely, right? Where we get to help the people that we really want to help in the way that we really want to help them. And, you know, having your own offer or program or consulting or whatever it is, is a way to fulfill that desire to, to help that specific type of person. It comes with its own challenges, certainly. But I think that's, that's one appealing option of, hey, what I'm doing over here is I like it, but there are areas that I feel you know, you know, aren't fulfilling that passion that I get to help that specific person. And I can do that also, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time kind of thing. Uh, over here by by working with those people on the side what i was gonna say is just basically so a teacherpreneur might basically start a tutoring service for example 
They could create educational products or resources like eBooks and, this, and, and, and so on and so forth. And then we've seen teachers offering professional development for other teachers, which is how we basically started our um, business, how we started Learn New English. So in essence, a teacherpreneur is basically a teacher who has taken what you said, Andrew, their passion for teaching and turned it into a very successful business venture. But we all know that, you know, making the leap from becoming a, from being a teacher to building such um, business or this creating this successful business venture um, doesn't come, doesn't happen naturally and doesn't come very easily. So today I was thinking, I think it would be a very good opportunity for us since we're back on the podcast, our first podcast of 2023. I thought it would be a very good idea for us to actually talk about the kinds of challenges that teachers, aspiring teacherpreneurs or emergent teacherpreneurs, as Mike coined the term more recently, because the word emergent is um, very um, frequent in the, I watched a presentation this morning on um, emergence and improvisation. But anyway, what are some of the challenges now that we've been working um, we have a group of about 200 and something teachers in one of our uh, programs, and we have about 60 something in the other program. And we have been working with these teachers, some of them aspiring teacherpreneurs, some of them already in the midst of teacherpreneuring. Um, so oh, 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 look at you. <laughs> what are, actually, I want to ask you both because we've talked about this and we, we talked to different teachers. What are some of the challenges that we could perhaps explore in this episode today? Uh, well, if, if you're listening and you're in our, our TSN, I mean, you know some of ours. There's some some trainings there on on us. And Leo, Mike, I guess like you remember us sitting in, we've used some pictures in TSN of our our, like our origin story or whatever. And I, I feel like we're a pretty yeah, good yeah, yeah, yeah. example of overcoming. And I mean, still we have challenges, obviously, certainly. It's part of, I think, what's appealing about being an entrepreneur is that you know, you, you, you overcome challenges and then don't become complacent. You, you keep going and you, you get to the next obstacle or the next challenge. But certainly if we look at our journey, like we overcame a lot of them at the beginning and really reflecting and being honest with myself about what we did, like we didn't know anything about what we were doing. <laughs> then we were really just throwing, you know, spaghetti at the wall and looking back at our first niche statement and everything. And it was all like, a hot mess to be honest like it was it was garbage <laughs> but we were I, I remember like we were really proud of ourselves and i think that that's that's not a mistake that's just a challenge of like building up getting a first iteration of an idea and realizing like you know this this sucks actually <laughs> and but then not stopping and just reinventing yourself and, and getting better right amen and i think that therein lies the challenge leo is is that people are reluctant to get started because right off the get-go, they're worried about failure. Mm. And therefore, they they never take the action, right? So, so as Andrew said, the reason we've been able to move forward and stay together and and actually have our relationship as individuals, as friends grow, is because we we just decided to take action. We took that action. And then as Andrew said, we we just learned from our mistakes and we just kept going. And I think teachers. I love you all, but one of our greatest kind of one of our greatest strengths is our biggest weakness. And that is that we really, really aim for perfection. We aim to have the most impact. 
But yeah. that's really what holds a lot of teachers back. A lot of teacherpreneurs is that they really want to do it right the first time. And if they don't, if they don't have faith that they can do it right the first time, then they just don't try. And then yeah. one week turns into one month, one month turns into six months, and then a year, and then you're still not closer to where you want to be, all because mm -hmm. it's not perfect enough, right? So <laughs> I really think like, and you know, we didn't always agree on the directions we should go, but but at least at the end of the day, we took action, and then we saw what the result was, and then we either kept it or we got rid of it, and we we moved on. Um, but I think that that has to be one of the biggest challenges, I think. Oh, absolutely. I also, I know we like to talk about what I just thought of right now, which are the three ors of a successful Careful with that one. <laughs> and these are the three different hats that I think, and there are others, but three general hats that we all have to wear. And we all have different levels of strengths and weaknesses within them. And this is the creator, the teacher, and the entrepreneur. Mm which all we have to blend all three together in order to grow a successful enterprise company, a solopreneurship, whatever the case may be. Um, and there are different skills within, and some people have, you know, more creator than entrepreneur and some more teacher than creator, et cetera, et cetera. But really to, to be successful in the long term, there needs to be a balance, at least in my opinion, among all three of those, because they're all important. They all do different things. They all look different, but they're all necessary in order to to grow in a linear and, and organic. Yeah, way. and they all kind of play off one another. They check one another, right? So you can be super creative like we were, but unless it actually makes business sense <laughs> or is realistic, then that's when the entrepreneurial brain kind of kicks in. Your entrepreneurial ego kicks in mm -hmm. and kind of holds mm -hmm. you back a little bit for all yeah. the right reasons. Like, yeah. In life, balance is always the hardest part, right? It's easy to have extremes. It's easy to be 100% of You're something or 0% of something. But being in the middle is always mm. like the dilemma and, and the hardest part. Good point. You know, some people jump in and they really focus on the teaching part and the helping people part, which is the most important part. Like a business that doesn't help people is, not, is nothing because you won't, you won't go anywhere. On the other hand, like if you have a way that you help people that doesn't allow you to help more people and help you sustain yourself financially by you know in a, a certain amount of scale then you're not helping yourself in that sense either so what is the balance in the middle and the creator is you know how do you design uh, the materials and then how do you get eyes on your offer in terms of marketing and, and attraction and, and the blend of all of those things together i do agree with everything you both said but i want to go back to perfection because I think we know this, and I think this is something that is, I would say, is deeply ingrained in a lot of teachers. Um, this We're constantly striving for excellence. And we know this is an admirable quality, but personal uh, experience is that um, there are a lot of problems with uh, seeking perfection. And I think Mike mentioned one. It's, it's this idea that you're constantly trying to achieve this unattainable or create this unattainable standard because that's how i feel and then eventually this leads to this never-ending cycle of self-doubt and dissatisfaction which is how i felt while creating some of the courses i kept saying no this can be better this can be the and i kept going and back in circles and in circles and i'm like you know what we just have to release this 
and then we're going to iterate. We're going to make changes. We're going to improve. We know it's impossible to achieve absolute perfection. So I think we have to set a standard that is attainable. So we, we know that things are not going to be perfect, but we know that they're going to be up to a certain standard. So I think one thing that teachers need to understand is that nothing, no product, no course, no lesson, no business will ever be perfect. But you have to know that you have to be constantly making changes. As we said, iterating. This is something I've learned from, from being in the tech world is this, this desire for perfection is bad also because of that, because it's it's paralyzing. And I think it prevents a lot of teachers from taking risks or from trying new things. And if and if this fear of making mistakes or not being perfect is what really stopping a lot of teachers from taking action, they are actually missing out on a lot of great opportunities to learn, grow, and create their and create their business, right? For sure. For sure. So much to to unpack there. That reminds me, there was a good question that we had in in our TSN community yesterday or a couple of days ago. Shout out to Danielle, because that reminds me of of that, Leo. And I'll throw it back to you because she was asking that she thought she had understood or just want a clarification on the concept of shipping, which I know we've talked about in, in previous podcasts. How would you define shipping in the context of what you just said? To me, shipping is just showing up every day, is doing what's essential to help you move the needle. And I'm going to give you a very good example here. I was trying to finish this um, five-step uh, to just to create an online learning experience. And of course, I went through the slides yesterday and I said to myself, I think it's ready to go. <laughs> of course, I didn't record. This morning I woke up, I'm like, no, I'm going to go through the slides again. And while looking at the slides, I realized that I wanted to change and add new things. So I said, you know what? That's that perfection voice just, you know, breathing down my neck, creating unnecessary <laughs> stress and anxiety because that's what happens. You know, I feel this pressure to always be perfect, to always create these amazing, amazing videos. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's never going to be perfect. But if I create that today and I listen to that video a year from now, I may I may want to tweak a few things because, you know, time has time passes, things change, industries change. So to me, it goes back to an analogy that I used with Mike when we were recording an episode for the for the student uh, podcast. What was that called again? The cult of the, learning. Uh, the cult of learning. Yeah. Where we said Rome wasn't built in a day. But every day they were laying one brick. They were shipping every day. Yes. That's how I see shipping. Just looking at what I what I put, where I responded to, her and I just said it's basically what you just said. It's eliminating the perfect and sending out the imperfect anyway. Mm -hmm. It's a much more succinct response. Mine is too long. Well, I had time to write it down. So. <laughs> Mike, anything to, uh, shipping for you? What do you? No, no, save. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think that's something that we've learned, like over time, is and again, we had to get over it. We really had to. But when I look back at the podcast, the podcast was never perfect, right? It it actually started off in Leo's living room with really bad microphones, and we were all around one another, so we could, you know, you know it was getting picked up, feedback, we were getting echo, feedback, everything, and everything, yeah. right? But but we did it. We shipped, right? We showed up and we we put the episodes out there. And 
but we never did that with our courses. And as a result, they never got made. They never got released. And when they finally did, it was it wasn't as impactful. So so we learned over time. And I think that's what the purpose of this episode is. It's just to share with potential entrepreneurs, emerging entrepreneurs, that it's a very normal thing and that you should take pride in what you ship, right? Not with perfection, right? Yeah. The fact that you're able to show up, as Leo said, and tick that box is is actually more beneficial than spending five to six months of, on planning. Um, and And I think... We've learned, yeah. It's it's funny time, you said that because we were talking about those courses, right? And we always say that teachers have a every teacher has a course in them. I think I have about 15 courses that I haven't really fully digested, but because what stopped me from creating those courses is the fact that I was always overthinking them. But I think the lesson here is that we should just basically, like we did, we've embraced imperfection. We've recognized that making mistakes is really truly a natural part of of the entire learning process and that nothing is ever is ever going to be perfect. So by embracing imperfection and viewing our mistakes, because I think that's kind of like the mindset that we developed, we we, we perceived those, our mistakes as opportunities for, for growth and constant learning and, of course, tweaking things, right? Amen. The old adage, fail early and fail often. Yeah. Accelerate to fail. Accelerate the fail. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you guys and everyone listening this question because I'm not, I'm not like smart enough or I'm not versed enough in what we can call like perfectionitis or or whatever. But Leo, you're right. It's definitely the most common, I would say, characteristic that we hear from our community of why haven't you done X? And usually people say, well, I just want it to be perfect. And I definitely have. I suffer from perfectionism and all of these things. But I always think about this, like, okay, if you're, whatever you're building, if it's a course, if it's a whatever, if I could tell you that you could put it out there and nobody would see it, would you still delay putting it out? Can you ask that differently? Is it? a case of I want this thing to be perfect or is it a case of I'm afraid of being judged? Mm, I think it's the latter. Right? I think it's definitely the latter. Like, is it my own expectations of this thing, which certainly play a part, but I feel like it's more not wanting something to be perfect, but afraid of it being so imperfect that there's scrutiny. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But how often, and then you always talk about this, Lee. I remember we did a podcast about fear and you said that there are rational fears and irrational fears, right? Yeah. I feel like that's so much an irrational fear. It is. It really is. Um, Because it's it's amazing how teachers have a lot of confidence in their teaching. But when it comes to putting themselves out there, they they lack that confidence in their own abilities. And they're even unsure if their own ideas are viable. I think a lot of that also stems from fear, like fear of failure or judgment of other people, which I think most of the time is what really prevents them from taking the first steps towards starting their own business. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because when you are teaching, you're in the classroom. You're in that box behind four walls. No one can penetrate that perimeter. It's just you and your students. 
the moment you build your teaching business and you're selling your courses and you're selling your services and you're productizing yourself, things change, right? Because you're you're definitely in the arena now. I mean, the perception or unperception. Yes, maybe the changes, perception. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's it's not a teacher thing. It's a person thing. It's just like oh, a, yeah. like anytime you do something for the first time, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. It's totally normal, right? And I think yeah. that's just where you need to push through and if it's something that you really want to do if it's not then don't do it if it's something that you actually want and there's this daunting rihanna just performed at the super bowl right this daunting umbrella right. uh of start your own business grow your own business and like the perception of that phrase is like oh my god there's a million things inside of that and to some extent that's true but it doesn't mean you do a million things at the same time exactly same thing that we would say to our students like I want to learn English. Like, well, first of all, that, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that actually mean? And two, whatever the goal is, like, we're not going to do everything today. We're going to do step yeah. one today. So yeah, it's really just compartmentalizing what are the steps. And I think that it also is a, you know, perpetuates that perfectionism is maybe we don't know. We don't know what the steps are. That mm-hmm. makes it, it adds a layer of, of the uncertainty. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. And welcome to another interview with uh, Teacher Accelerator member and Jessica Diaz. Thanks for joining us today. And thank you for inviting me. When you have only one, 101 lessons, one-to-one, there's a limit. You're going to have a limit of students. And even if you have like 20 students, that's too much. You're going to be overworked and overwhelmed. That's not something that I wanted. I'm not leaving school to be overworked with something that's going to leave me trapped again. That's that's the thing of having your online course because you can be at the beach selling your course. This being overworked took, took a toll on my mental health. So I was like, I want to have time to go to the gym, to spend time with my family, with my friends. And I wasn't able to do that. I wanted to help more students and I also wanted to have more time for myself and also to develop myself as a professional. Because I wanted to read more. I wanted to take other courses. There's so much things uh, in the tap course. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew from Learn Your English. Thanks for listening to this episode of Teacher Talking Time. We work hard to produce a show that's theoretical, practical, and hopefully interesting. But, you know, not everything fits into a podcast format. And we've been working hard behind the scenes on something that we're excited about. And we hope you are, too. And we're happy to share it with you right now. But first... Let me ask you a few questions. Number one, are you a teacher with your own business? Number two, are you looking to grow that business? And number three, are you interested in doing that quickly and overcoming common pitfalls? If so, we have a new free 120-hour training that might be for you. You know, we've worked with hundreds of teachers over the years and have seen them stumble on common obstacles when it comes to business. These obstacles cause delays and stagnate growth to what would otherwise be a successful operation. And now we're happy to say that we've developed an email course to help you overcome these challenges so you can see growth in your business right away. This is a step-by-step email training to help you overcome the five obstacles that we've seen prevent most teachers from building their business successfully, whether you teach one-to-one or groups or don't have your own business yet. In this course, we look at things like business mindset, dogma ELT and materials light teaching, attracting the right kind of client, crafting your offer, 
and an essential business model every teacher should use. With this, we've helped hundreds of teachers to overcome these, and now you can do it as well. To begin, just head over to our website, learnyourenglish.net slash obstacles. Once enrolled, you'll get an email from us every day for five days with strategies, tasks, and actionables to use in your business immediately. Plus, at the end, there's a little treat from the three of us. So once again, head over to learnyourenglish.net slash obstacles and get started with this free 120-hour course and see growth in your business in just five days. The link to that is also in the show notes. And now, let's get back to the show. Howdy, people. This is Ajita, and I am from India. You're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learning Your English podcast. Namaste. Mera naam Ajita hai, aur main Bharat se hoon. Aap sun rahe hain Teacher Talking Time. Aapka ekmatra podcast, jahaan aap angrezi seek sakte hain. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you, you said it. That's pretty much it. Um, and, and I think one of the things that probably plays a role in, in their, you know, in their approach to becoming a, a teacherpreneur, I think it's the lack of business knowledge. As you said, like, we don't have this, this hat. We had to develop this hat. We had to, like, go to the store and buy that business hat so we could actually learn more about business and and you know because as we said while teachers may be experts in their subject area to exam prep pronunciation dogma ELT a lot of us lack the business knowledge and the skills that I needed to start and run a very as you said in a very simple business at first like when we look at Jessica for example again I'm bringing her up um, Jessica started with the IPA now she has another course so she already has two what really stops teachers is that they think that they have to start with five courses. They think that the business is when you say like, oh, we'll help you, you grow your business or start your business. As you said, it sounds the umbrella term starting a business sounds a little daunting to a lot of people. But as long as they understand the marketing and more importantly, as you call the machine, how to operationalize the machine and make this business um, run on its own wheels, then I think we have something. But that is something that really a lot of teacherpreneurs struggle with. Yeah. And I think, sorry, Andrew, I was just going to say like, I, and I think Leo, they don't, they don't reflect back to when they first started teaching and how they might've needed a kind of template in terms of how to approach a lesson plan, right? They, they might've needed some strategies for what to do when your, your class isn't as talkative or the students are reluctant to speak, right? So we've been there before. Um, what we typically need is a nice model that we can follow, mm -hmm. as Andrew said, right? And then from there, we can start to put systems in place to expand from that model and to personalize it and add our own little bit of nuance to it, right? And then over time, that, that it evolves and it becomes a little bit bigger. But it's what people need is a template. They need they need starting points that they can just latch on to. Just like when you were a teacher starting off, you needed a, a kind of framework for how you might set up a lesson. Uh, you needed ideas from how you, for how you might go from one, one stage to the next. And then you needed some ideas for how you might speak or 
add some differentiation to your class to help to make sure that all the students' voices were being heard, right? So business is no different, um, but you have to start somewhere, start small. But as Andrew said, start with a system because it's the system that, that you can build from, right? And that, that's really what helps you speed up the rate of change and speed up the development process. Or your business doesn't come, become bigger. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay too. Like it can be whatever, literally whatever you you want it to be. I feel like we 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 see this a lot with when we ask people about their goals and we say, well, how much money do you want to make? What what course do you want to have? When do you want to when do you want to launch it? When do you? And a lot of the answers are like, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So getting clear on what we want is like the most important thing because like growing your business into the abyss doesn't like doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make any sense. It's like I want to learn English. Okay, why? Well, I don't know. Well, how are you ever going to do it if you don't know the why, right? So having a business like the person who has a hot dog stand on the side of the road has a business. And Jeff Bezos also has a business. But like which one is in your reflection and in, in what you want for yourself? Which one of those or something mm-hmm. else is your version of it? Because there isn't a version of it. It is whatever you want it to be. So you can start small and you can stay small forever or you can start small and grow, you know, commiserately with whatever you, your vision for mm-hmm. yourself is. And your vision for yourself will change, of course, over time as, as we evolve as people. But it, it really starts with what, what do we want? And that's the first question. Yeah. And being honest with yourself too, right? Like if you, if you, if you want to live in Latin America and chill out and teach once a week, then be honest with yourself and then put yourself in a position to do that. Um, I think that's it. We would do that with our teaching careers, right? We wouldn't work at a school that we didn't like um, unless we felt like we had to. But that's that's the point of being a teacherpreneur is that you're taking ownership over your life, right? So once you do that, then as you said, Andrew, you need to be clear with what you want to do, but you also need to be honest with yourself. There's nothing wrong with being greedy. A lot of people are saying, when we ask that question, like, what? Well, how much money would you like to make? People always, and it's it's fair. Everyone's different, but we do hear a lot of conservative answers, like, Very "Oh, I'd like to make, yeah, I'd like to make like a thousand dollars a month or something like that." It's like, "Oh, okay. Well, would you be happy making five thousand dollars a month, right?" And it's not to be lofty, but it's just like, be honest with yourself, right? If the number is five thousand, then it's five thousand. If it's one thousand, as Andrew said, that's also fine. But the earlier, the sooner you get to that vision. Um, the better, right? Because then you can start to put those systems in place that are going to get you there. So for example, it might be really hard to make $5,000 a month if you want to teach privates, but it'd be very easy if you had a, a course that you could repurpose and sell and, and uh, run, say every five to six weeks, right? Then it becomes a lot more manageable. So you just need to be, as, as Andrew said, and Leo's touched on as well, you just need to be very clear and uh and yeah just be honest there's nothing wrong with being greedy a lot of teachers are sh- ashamed to say that they want to earn more money i don't know it's like the only profession in the world where it's like a bad thing to say that you want to earn more money like, oh if you're <laughs> happy getting paid 17 dollars an hour <laughs> teaching in downtown toronto with uh, when rents 2500 for a one-bedroom apartment then continue to do that i'm not going to judge you but um yeah. let's be honest but be honest with yourself it's okay to want more right yeah and that's the marriage of those three hats and other hats and, and whatever, right? It's not just about how I help my students. It's what's the vision I want for my life? What can I form around that that actually does help people and then helps clients and helps 
myself at the same time a scenario that we we, we throw this out all the time right about like if you wanted let's use five thousand as an example like if you wanted that was the number that you wanted to make what's the path that you would choose to get there would you choose to sell a fifty dollar offer to a hundred people every month would you choose a five hundred dollar offer to sell to 10 people every month or would you have a five thousand dollar offer and you sell it to one person every month you know all roads lead to rome <laughs> it gets you there but, but which one do you yeah, think they get is you there easier, yeah, yeah but better like which one better fits the vision that you have for yourself and i think your point that you just raised before leo jumps in there is um you know i'm I'm saying that and you're i know what you're saying with your analogy with the five thousand dollars and how we get there and that is important but i think teachers themselves really almost to their own default um put their students in front the concerns of their students ahead of theirs and by no means are we saying that you know in t- being a teacherpreneur you're going to become some sort of cold business person but I think what Andrew's trying to get at and what we're really trying to get at is this idea of there must be an easier way, right? There must be a way where we can really make meaningful, positive impacts in our students' lives while at the same time doing what we love and while at the same time getting, getting paid or what we want, what we feel is right, right? And becoming a teacherpreneur involves, again, those three hats that Andrew mentioned earlier. But it also does. It also really means like being honest mm. and really prioritizing yourself, as well as the materials, as well as the students, and so on. The hard part's done. Like learning how and, to be a, a teacher yeah. is hard. And for everyone who's listening, more than likely you've you've done that. <laughs> you know, business process, business. Yeah. Pro- oh, if they're listening yeah. to this podcast, they are because they're clearly so passionate about teaching. Yeah, you're in like. A really great situation if you think about anyone else who wants to start their own business they're probably like an accountant and they have an idea for like a vacuum cleaner or something like completely different no expertise no skills really literally starting from scratch right if you're listening like you have the hard part accomplished like you are a teacher you're good at what you do you have the skills you have the expertise if you're listening to this show you're interested in getting better which is half the battle the business processes and all of these things are just things that you can learn. Like that's, that's that, you know, the hard part is finished. So there's a huge advantage already inherently, you know, that you have. This is all very true. But the one thing I find, even though they've internalized all of that, they haven't gone through the hard part. A lot of teachers, even those with a lot of experience, the one thing I see them struggling with or a problem that they struggle with before becoming or just jumping into entrepreneurship is that they say, I don't have any business idea. I don't have any, I don't have, I don't know what course, I don't know my niche. And this is why I think we love to say that every teacher has, has a course in them. But before I talk about that, I want to go back to the productization because being an, an entrepreneur basically means that you are productizing yourself. And when you think about that, you have two words, right? You have productize and you have yourself. And as Mike said, you yourself, you have uniqueness. Nobody is, nobody is like you. Nobody teaches in the same way. You might have very similar teaching philosophies, but no two teachers will teach in the same way. And when you think about productizing, you have leverage, right? You have 
a course that you can create, an idea that nobody has ever explored, like the IPA example. Um, and yourself, as Mike said too, has accountability, right? Productize has that specific knowledge um, and yourself has also specific knowledge in there. So what you're doing is you're putting all of these pieces together into these two words. And this is why we say that every teacher has a course in them because we truly believe that every teacher has a unique perspective, a unique set of experiences and unique knowledge that they can then productize by sharing this with other people through a program or through a course. And I truly believe that every teacher I have worked with has something valuable to, valuable to teach and they have the potential to create and share and sell their own their own courses, right? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Just ask yourself, why do I love teaching? Why do my students love studying with me? Uh, what am I really good at teaching? What do what what am I passionate about teaching? Right? We can all answer those questions easily. As Andrew said, we're not re, we're not creating a new gadget. We're we're taking something that we already do really well and we're just packaging it into something that we can repurpose and we can use for say a more passive form of income or a, a another kill two birds with one stone. It's it's something that we can do that drives innovation, but also gives us a little bit of extra money on the side. Either way, it's something we own that we can do what it, choose to use however we want. And if you're listening and you're thinking, that sounds great, but I don't have a niche. I have a story for you. <laughs> the niche story, go for it. It's it's such a polarizing word, right? Like niche, niche. I I don't know how to choose a niche. Well, I like. I mean, there's there's no right or wrong to any. This is right, but for me, like we don't we don't choose, or we don't find a niche. I should say we we choose one. It's an active decision, right? And you can change it later, but it's an active an active choice. But we don't choose one just by like sitting in bed in the morning. Oh, I'm gonna choose. Like no, it has to be based on data based on decisions and how do we get this data is by talking to people right and i think this is a big challenge yeah. that a lot of people have apprehensions about going out into the world and just talking to like 10 20 100 people writing down the answers and then looking at the information and making an informed choice decision about what i found it's very basic market research right you're trying to identify it's market science yeah <laughs> It's just you're trying to identify a problem that needs to be solved. That's it. And I spent last week in the Dominican Republic, sitting on a beach, drinking 19 pina coladas every day. Okay. And every day, I saw a guy, presumably a Dominican guy, walking around the beach with two birds and a monkey on his shoulder and you know what he did to every tourist on the beach you can guess oh, i'm pretty sure he was you know offering the he was he wasn't doing any monkey business i can tell you that oh there it is yeah was no, he, hitting he on came birds up and he, he said do you want to take a picture with the monkey do you want to take a picture with the birds one dollar and every day i watched him go to 19, 20, 50 people on the beach. 48 of them said no. But every day, he got two people to take a picture 
of him and his birds or put the birds on them, right? And I sat there and I watched this guy and I was thinking, you know what he's doing? <laughs> he's prospecting. Exactly. <laughs> Literally in the real world, like we do this online, or if you have an online business, you do this through Instagram or whatever. But literally, it's if you ask enough people, someone's going to say yes. Yeah. And he knows 48 out of 50 people are going to ignore him and, and say no. But if you ask enough people, two are going to say yes. And every day I watched him walk around and ask everyone, no, 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 no. But then I'd come back from the bar with my next pina colada, and someone's over there with their camera, and he's he's making his dollar. So... It's not rocket science. It's just hustle. It's it hustle. is a little bit of hustle. Yeah, it's hustle. Yeah. And then maybe there's word of mouth there. Someone posts a picture. Where did you get that done? Oh, I got this done on this beach. There's this great guy. His name is Ro- Rocco. Um, check him out <laughs> yeah. when you're at uh, San Juan Beach next time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then who knows? Then then next you know next week it's forty forty six or he, you know he gets he gets a little bit more. He gets four. He gets five. He gets ten of them. He's showing um, up. He's showing, he's showing up every up. day. He's yeah. showing up. And I didn't ask him, but I bet if I had, I would ask him, the very first day you did this, how did you feel? He probably would have said, I was really nervous. I wasn't sure. And now he just does it every day and doesn't even think about it. And it's normal. Just like, you know, when we teach classes now, we probably don't get too nervous anymore. I know when I was right. I first yeah. started teaching, I got really nervous when I walked into the classroom. And now I don't think about it anymore. When we normalize something, it just becomes, it is is a thing that we do. And probably he only started with one bird and then he added a second one. And then people are like, do you have a monkey? And then he probably added a monkey. So he was basically validating the idea through testing, seeking feedback from these potential customers, which is basically what you're doing with your your teaching business, basically, right? And he probably, I mean, we're making assumptions now, but like maybe his, his goal was, you know, I want to make two US dollars a day. And he figured out that at first he only asked 25 people to take a picture and only one person said yes. So he only made 50% of his revenue goals, right? And then he he figured out, okay, well, I need to talk to 50 people in order for two people to say yes. So these are like data-driven decisions that we all mm-hmm, make mm-hmm. in developing that entrepreneur hat version of those three ors or ers of, of a successful teacher. Do you think that when he started this... Um monkey business or bird business <laughs> do you think that when he started that he he um he was comparing himself to other other people who were also selling things on the beach because that's something that i hear a lot of teachers say to me mm. oh, okay yeah i can't i can't get people to take pictures leo has a monkey too leo has yeah, birds i yeah. can't leo does can't it better do than i ever yeah. yeah 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 so i think comp- competition is also another um, perhaps another obstacle that prevents a lot of teachers from from starting their own teaching business. Oh, but so many people are are already teaching exam preparation. Uh, oh, but so many people are already talking about this. I'm like, I know, but you can still find a way to do this your way. And I think I'm, not to be that guy. Yeah, but if you think that's true for you, you haven't niched down far enough. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Andrew? Yeah. Because if you niche down far enough, you eliminate competition. There is no comp. As if you go to a certain segment of the market, you're literally the only person there or very few mm. people that are there. And if you stay a generalist or you say, I don't want to niche down because I'll lose clients, mm-hmm. that's actually backwards. Yeah. Because then literally every other teacher is your competition. And then you have nothing to say exactly. when 
people say, well, this teacher only charges this much. And what are you going to say? Because you're offering exactly the same thing. Yeah. But if you niche down far enough, you eliminate competition. You become more attractive to a very specific segment. And guess what happens to your rates? Yeah, yeah. Because you're the only person in town that can do this. And I think we talked about this, Mike, in one of our recent presentations, how humans are highly mimetic creatures. We're constantly copying what everybody else is doing, including our desires. And what happens to a lot of teachers is that they very often get trapped in the wrong game because you're competing. And as what you said, Andrew, the best way to escape competition is to just be authentic to yourself. Like, yeah, I want to work with entrepreneurs. Let's use Vanessa's example here. Sure. Um, a lot of people work with entrepreneurs. A lot of people work with females. But she's working with French female entrepreneurs. She's not just working with entrepreneurs. She's not just working with French. And who want to. Who want to. Next, yes. Right? Who exactly. want to be able to talk about their business and be able to expose their brand. So, again... She is escaping competition by just being authentic to herself. If you're building and marketing something which is an extension of who you are, no one, no one can compete with you on that. It's impossible. And guess what? Uh, you get more referrals that way too, because people will come to you and you say, no, no, actually, I don't, I don't do that. But Leo is a great teacher who works on that. You should go talk to him. And yeah. then vice versa, people go to Leo and he says, no, no, I don't do that. But Andrew does this. You should go talk yeah. to him. Because... You're not a generalist anymore. You're a specialist in something. Yeah. Authenticity naturally gets you away from competition. Niching down naturally gets you away from competition. So right. that's that's something that you should kind of uh you should definitely bear in mind. Which brings me to the last um obstacle in in this course um of uh, of an hour, I think, that we're we're hitting at some point in this podcast. We're gonna try to keep it short today, but and this is actually we got five minutes. Oh, we got five minutes. Okay, so <laughs> we might we might have we might go a little bit overboard, but this is one that I I heard from two teachers that I spoke to very recently, and Mike, we talked about this in the presentation as well. A lot of teachers want to gain financial freedom, and I was talking to this one teacher today, and she said, "Oh, this school is offering me. This is of course in South America. This school is offering me." Uh, $12. Oh, but $12 is a lot of money for me here. I said, okay, but you're, 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 you're basically getting paid $12 per hour, which might be, which might be great. I get it. But if you're making 20 through your own business, you're making more. And this is it, Mike. We talked about this idea of building or buying equity, right? In a business. So if you don't own a piece of business, if you don't own equity, you don't have a path towards financial freedom because it's always going to be ownership versus wage work. And if you are paid for renting out your time, which Andrew, you talk a lot about this. So maybe you have a few cents to, to add to this. Um, even lawyers and doctors, doesn't matter. You can make some money, but you're not going to make the money that gives you financial freedom. You're not going to have that passive income where a business is earning for you while you're in the Dominican Republic sipping um martinis or or pina, pina coladas, coladas. yes yeah, yeah. and without ownership your inputs are always going to be very closely tied to your outputs if you think about this in almost any salary job even one that pays a lot per hour like a lot like a lawyer or a doctor you're still putting in the hours and every hour you get paid 
and without so ownership. It's a, it's a one for one, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. One for one. yeah, and without ownership. I mean, lawyers are em- yeah, tell me. Lawyers are employees too. Like, yeah. They, you know, unless you're a partner in a law firm who, you know, splits the ownership, you know, the, the revenue of, you know, you granted most lawyers probably make more per hour than most people, mm-hmm. but you still get paid by the hour. And I, this is my, like, there's nothing wrong with getting paid by the hour. If you get paid a thousand dollars an hour, good for you. Go, go, go do that. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you don't, and, but again, like what you said, it depends on what you want. Yeah. You have to get clear on your own goals. Yeah. And for me to watch our bank account tick up while I was on the beach was a pretty, pretty neat feeling. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Cause you're, you're basically, you have ownership. If you don't have ownership, when you're retired, you're not earning. When you're on vacation at the beach, you're not earning and you cannot earn non-linearly, right? But, and this is something that you said once also, Andrew, in I think it was a podcast or maybe a conversation that we were having where you said, if you're working for somebody else, like if you're working for a school, the school is doing all the work. The school is taking the risk. The school has the accountability, the intellectual property and the brand. Of course, they're not going to pay you enough. They're going to pay you the bare minimum they have to to get you to do their job. That can be a, a high bare minimum, but it's still not going to be true wealth when you're retired because you're not going to be earning, right? So when you have your own business, then you are the one taking the risk. You're the one who has accountability. You have the intellectual property. It's your brand. So owning equity in a company basically means you own. And we talked about this, Mike. You own the upside, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the difference between getting paid a salary, having an income, and real wealth, right? Wealth is something. It's an asset. It grows over time. It's something you you don't give back to someone, right? You're not exchanging your time. As Andrew likes to point out, you're not selling your time. You're you're now building an asset that you can leverage and, and sell again and again and again and, and do it from wherever you want in the world. Um, or exclusively selling your time, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, the best line that I've seen on this topic comes from our one of our gurus, Justin Welsh, and it speaks for itself, but he said this, I wanted to work for a company that cared deeply about me. So I employed myself. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously we all advocate for teachers getting paid more in schools, but the, the cold reality is that you said, Leo, they, they pay you that so you can remove the you. It's someone can. Mm-hmm. The you is irrelevant. Yeah. It's a body yeah. in a room, right? Yeah. Uh, in a lot of cases. So, um, And you're right. They do all the hard work. They do, they do the prospecting. They go to the 48 people on the beach and get them, they find those people and get them to take the picture and we show up and they're in the room and that's great. But it's possible to do that on your own as well. Does it work? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's a system. It's a system. So everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the teacher talking time. We are going to be back in March with a new interview, but we really hope that you found our discussion on the challenges and obstacles faced by teacherpreneurs, both informative and inspiring. And as you, as we've heard, teacherpreneurship is an exciting and uh, rewarding journey, I should say, despite all the, the challenges. But again, as you said, Mike and Andrew, it's not without its hurdles. From you know overcoming perfectionism, perfectionism to balancing work and life, I think we've we were able to explore some of the most um, important and unique obstacles 
um, of building a business in the world of education. So we would like to thank our guests, um, our listeners, I should say, not our guests, for um, for tuning in, for listening to our valuable insights and experiences. And we wanted to thank all of you who have, you know, trusted us and who have joined us on this journey. So whether you are a teacherpreneur already on your way or just starting to explore the possibilities, we hope that you've gained some new ideas and strategies that will help you um, succeed. But I know um, that we have a community for those aspiring teacherpreneurs and for those teacherpreneurs who are already deep um, in in the battlefield. Um, Mike and Andrew, what can you what can we tell these these teachers who are just starting? Well, we've we've already mentioned a few hurdles um, that a lot of teachers encounter when they're first making that transition to becoming a teacherpreneur. Well, the good news is that we actually have a community out, the TSN, the Teacher Support, Teacherpreneur Support Network, where we explore the five most common hurdles. So it might be a great opportunity if you are kind of envisioning yourself as someone who would like to design a course or go out and become a, a teacherpreneur in general. Please join the Teacher Support Network where you can join a, over, as Leo said, over 200 teachers. Um, working together, sharing ideas, while working through some of those initial hurdles that really um, can hold you back at the beginning. And it's a great little place to find out what you need to do um, and what others are doing to, to overcome those, as well as just speak with Leo, Andrew, and I on a more regular basis. Yeah, and that link is just, uh, if you're listening in Spotify or wherever, just that link is just below in the show notes. Or if you don't have it there, just shoot us a message on Instagram and and we'll get you in and, and get started over there in, in TSN. Yes. Make sure you and... fill out that survey, that questionnaire. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you have any feedback, any questions, any topics that you would like us to explore in future episodes, please do not hesitate to get in touch. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, keep striving for success. Never stop learning. Never stop failing. This has been another episode of the Teacher Talking Time. And we'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.